This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All hit radio. Welcome to the X Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, one and all. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV. To check out the radio show, exxonradiotv.com. And for all the programming available to you, 24-7-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.com. Net. A couple of programming notices for you. We have two new shows starting in the very near future. The first one is Jesse Kelsey, and he is going to be doing a show on the power of numbers. Jesse is an internationally renowned numerologist, and he's going to be with us every day right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network. And also returning to the Exxon Radio Show, a good friend of ours, Cal Korf, who will be joining us for a feature and show entitled... Cal's Corner. That's coming up this September here in the X-Zone and on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. My guest this hour, X-Zone Nation, is Karen Good. And uh, Karen started her professional career as a speech therapist and special education teacher. She later conducted assessments and diagnosis for special education placements and then became a special education consultant serving 11 counties at the Educational Service Center in Fort Worth, Texas. She attained an education doctorate from George Washington University with two majors in counseling and special education. Opening a private practice for several years allowed her to counsel and support parents and families. Karen attended Sophia University for her postdoctoral work in women's psychology and health to better support those she counseled. Karen moved uh, from counseling to coaching in 2000 and five years later founded the Academy for Coaching Parents International, which trains and uh, certifies life coaches for parents and families. Joining me now is Karen Good. And Karen, welcome to the X-Zone. Thank you very much. Uh, Karen, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, why you decided to enter the field of professional uh, therapy that you did. 
I was one of those teachers in the early years who had special needs children, and I found them to be highly intuitive, Rob. Uh, Sometimes I would have to teach children to practice their spelling by closing their eyes Mm -hmm. and imagining the letters in the right sequence. So in learning about their intuition, stories over the years following the same children from one class to another for a couple of years, you know, they start telling you about the ghost that they've seen Mm -hmm. or the parent who um, visited them at night after that parent passed over or died of a sickness. And when I asked those children about the time they were 12 or 13, some of them had ghost stories to tell, and it seemed to correspond with specifically seeing ghosts or seeing relatives. And to those children, it seemed perfectly normal. So here I am, a fresh young teacher working with these children, and I find their intuition fascinating. I find their their techniques for compensating for a language deficit or not being able to write or spell a word correctly was fascinating. So I used those skills with them, and through the years, as I became a counselor and later a therapist, I tended to work with the same kinds of families, Rob, Uh, families of intuitive children, sensitive children, uh, children who cared strongly Mm -hmm. for the environment and wanted to take care of the earth or take care of pets. So I'm always seeing these nurturing children around me, and I'm seeing their mothers uh, support their work. And eventually I... I wrote another book called Intuitive Children just about these children, these intuitive kids that learned a little differently than the mainstream child in a public school. Wow. And after I wrote that book, Mm -hmm. we set up a blog, and I didn't talk to parents, Rob. Who I talked to were the kids. (laughs) And so I ended up, you know, having... 10-year-olds to 15-year-olds, particularly on this blog, who would tell me that they saw this, or they saw their grandparents, or they were uh, playing outside Mm -hmm. and had an encounter with a fairy. All right, Karen, Karen, we've got to take our first break. Please stand by. Exo Nation, Karen Good is our special guest, a great lady doing a lot of wonderful things for children. Her website is raisingintuitivechildren.com. Com. And Karen and I will be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. This is the X-Zone Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, 
Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Karen Good is my special guest to this hour, Exxon Nation, RaisingIntuitiveChildren.com. And uh, Karen, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Can you tell me about the, some of the stories that you've heard from children about ghosts? Yes, definitely. When I had a blog about mm-hmm. intuitive children, they would, uh, some of the children from Australia, others from European countries, others from America, but they first and foremost would see a loved one in the spirit body. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that frightened them. Sometimes it was good. Uh, other stories included a father and a young son, about eight or nine years old, who were camping up in Pennsylvania around the Gettysburg uh, battlegrounds. And the little boy woke up from his tent because he said it was all bright light. And what he saw in front of him were two soldiers in uniforms, that is Confederate uniforms, walking in front of him. And he woke his dad up. And his dad, of course, didn't see them. But the little boy was so excited, he went out to follow. And of course, his dad brought him back in. But stories like that are um, what prompted me to continue to write and continue to interview parents and children who were sensitive to those spirit natures. Was there a lot of consistency with the children in the stories that they told? The consistency was they definitely saw something because they could not have faked the Mm -hmm. happy emotions or the frightened emotions. And the consistency was that it always seemed to be a spirit of a person. I haven't interviewed any families or children who saw anything scary or frightening or things along that line. Uh, the children who wrote to me in the 13 to 15 age range were concerned that they didn't have anyone to talk to mm-hmm. about their issues, their problems. So we kind of organized adults, uh, people who were interested in this topic, you know, to do workshops or, or mentor them. But the stories were consistent in that it was always in the spirit world mm-hmm. and it was always a person. It was never a dog or a stranger. I thought that was consistent. Did the children show any fear or apprehension about uh, having these encounters? Yes, actually, I've had children who were scared to death, and I've had children who seemed to find it entertaining, <laughs> for you know, lack of a better word. For example, one scared mm-hmm. child was a, was. A toddler. He couldn't even talk. Wow. But he was walking down the hallway to his bedroom, and his parents were right behind him. 
And he stopped, just stopped cold, and he pointed. And then he turned to his parents, and his mother saw that he was he was as pale as a ghost, if you'll excuse the expression. Sure. He turned white, and he would not go to bed. And so the father tried, you know, to coax him in there mm-hmm. and put him in there, but he would not sleep in his bedroom. So I got the call, and, uh, you know, we kind of did a look around the house, and based upon what the mother told us and what the child pointed to, uh, they actually found people who came to their home to remove that spirit, and the mother took it in stride, and the dad finally supported the child, but he slept in the parents' room for a good two, three weeks. He refused to go in there. Why do you think so many children are having these experiences? Is it because they don't have the 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 shield put up that adults do and that they're open to seeing things that adults through sociological conditioning have been programmed not to see? Yes. <laughs> perfectly yeah. perfectly said by you. Because if you look at children in mm-hmm. the age ranges from a year and a half yeah. to about five to six years, their brain is growing and they function intuitively, you know, with curiosity, oh, sure. with play, with examining things. So by the time their brain grows into that frontal cortex and logic sets in, they've either made a decision at that point that it's normal for them and they're okay with it, or they outgrow it and they don't come back to it maybe until they're adolescents, if they have that kind of connection and viewing in the spiritual world. How would you suggest That's what, I'm how would, what would you suggest or how would you suggest parents approach a child who is claiming to see these apparitions, these these uh, relatives who have passed to the other side, and, um, you know, who are frightened. What should a parent do? Well, I think the first step that I, I counsel parents about is just listening, asking about facts, mm-hmm. kind of getting the story straight, and that tends to relieve a child's fear. But if they're still still fearful after that, you know, I ask the parents to have the child take their hand, go see what it is, feel it around, act like they're exploring the environment, or ask them to draw a picture of it or explain it or describe it, depending upon their age. And getting it out of their system will help reduce some of the anxiety. And those that are happy to have this contact with the spirit world, they share it with their parents anyway in conversations over dinner and you know driving to school in the morning. That's part of the conversation. So if the parents are supportive, Mm -hmm. they tend to listen and and get the, eh, kind of get the facts according to the child. And maybe they check it out or maybe they just accept the story and move on. But parents who tend to freak out, we ask them to at least sit down and listen first before Mm -hmm. they take action. Find out what the child is really scared of or really excited about or pulling away from. Uh, But there are ways to assist that child. For example, a 16-year-old, uh, ma- the mom of a 16-year-old called me once, Rob, and her grandfather had died. She worshipped him. And even from beyond our view, from the spirit world, he contacted her in her dreams. Mm-hmm. And then when she was awake, he contacted her during the waking time, and she spoke with him. She saw him. But it, it brought up all of her her grief again and she kept crying so I got the call how do I stop this 
so I'm not crying all the time. I love granddaddy's gone now. It's okay. So we taught her a visualization where she took control of turning the image on or off. And she learned to turn it off and close the door and say goodbye. And after about two weeks, she was just fine and back to normal. So there are things like that that we can work with whether through their imagination or focus that helps them be a little more stable about it or accept the conditions, like if it's a relative who passed. You yourself, have you had uh, an experience where you've seen a ghost? Yes, I grew up in a Catholic school, and I used to talk with a Franciscan friar monk. Mm -hmm. I would talk to this man in my dream time. And I later found out that when I went to college, I came home one day. My mom had a Catholic newspaper on the kitchen cabinet, and there was Padre Pio. And there was his picture, and he had died. Uh, now, this, this monk is noted for appearing in the sky to a squadron of World War II American pilots because they were coming to that area of Italy to bomb, and that's where his... That's where he lived. That's where the monastery was. So, you know, I suppose I heard about him, I'm sure, in Catholic school, because that's where I grew up. Mm -hmm. But when I saw his picture, I turned to my mother and I said, oh, my God, I talked to Padre Pio most of my early childhood. I would see him. We would discuss things. And so I can't explain it to you, but I know that it's how I got through Catholic school and it's how I got through a lot of bullying for being, you know, a quiet, shy child. My gosh. Um, I've also seen one uh, when I went to Peru with a friend of mine who spoke Spanish. And this book is in the story. But um, this was, I mean, we've been traveling for hours on the plane. We get to 9,000 feet. We're tired. We're drinking, you know, juice and things to get hydrated. But mostly we were dirty and cold. And so my roommate and I went to take a shower in our room. And the shower started out hot. And then it turned immediately cold and was gone. However, I went to the room to tell my roommate we're out of hot, you know, cold water is all we got. We're out of hot. But the curtain, the red velvet curtains were shaking. And I said, I swear to you, I think there's a ghost in this room. And she said, oh, my God, you felt it, too. And so we asked the ghost to come out. And the story in the book is almost verbatim. But basically, she sat down. And the monk was a Spanish friar from, you know, three, four hundred years prior. But he was telling us he felt guilty. He was telling us what he did. I was receiving the images of Indians being killed. Anyway, that's what went on in our heads, and that's what went on in our conversation. But we helped him pass over to a door of light, which is the only thing I knew to do and come up with. And we got our hot water back. Hmm. Now, we were working with a shaman there. And when I explained this to him, he says, oh, happens all the time. And all I could do was laugh. How am I supposed to know it happens all the time? But we had a good time, and we got our water back. And what we got from the Padre, as translated by my friend, who was from Colombia and spoke Spanish, was he had deep, deep regret. And he knew that he could talk through my uh, traveling partner. So... That's that story, and it was very real and very touching, and, and two of us experienced it. So, 
I hope it gives people a little hope that they can Mm -hmm. have some conversations and not be frightened by people or spirits that might need help. I I think your credibility does a lot as well because you're a person who is who's very grounded. You have the ability to and the desire to work with children, which in my books speaks volumes for the type of person you are. Thank you. So when I hear stories or encounters, I should say, not a story, but encounters and experiences that you have had, that speaks volumes in credibility. But I have to ask you this. Why is it that certain people, like yourself, have had these experiences and children have had these experiences? And yet there are other people like myself who want to have these experiences and no matter what we do, we, we just can't. That's a good question. I have several theories I can share with you, but I'm not sure I have the final answer. I, I think uh, in this field, I think in this field, my dear friend, that is all we have is theories. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, and experiences, exactly. which are personal. But um, one of the things that I, that led me that experience with the padre led me to study core temperaments of children and people. And what I found is there are a sensitive group of people. Uh, it's an inborn temperament that they have, that they're wired that way to be open to those experiences, meaning it's not going to frighten them. Uh, part of my, I think that I had several out-of-body experiences mm-hmm. that were not wanted, but it trained me, I believe, to be open. Like a door opened when I rode my bike into a tree at age six. I flipped up. I landed flat on the back on the cement. And I couldn't breathe, and I watched myself fly up to the sky. And I thought, oh, I'm dead. That's cool. But then the spirit came back into my body, and I got up. And my mother came and got me. But that was one out-of-body experience. All right, Another I'm, one. I'm going to have to ask. I'm going to have to ask you to do like, a bit of a uh, cliffhanger here because I, I'm right up against the news break at the bottom of the hour. Please stand by. Exonation Karen Good is our very special guest this hour. Her website is Raising Intuitive Children. Dot com. That's www.raisingintuitivechildren.com. And Karen and I will be back on the other side of this news break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget to, for all the programming on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us online at www.xzbn.net. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Karen Good is our special guest this hour, Exonation, www.raisingintuitivechildren.com. Karen is a prolific author of six parenting books with mainstream publishers. 
and 30 digital prod, uh, products and courses. The topics of her print and ebooks are coaching, emotional competence, parenting, core temperaments, relationships and business, and marketing. She opened Inspired Living International Publishing for self-publishing endeavors and now consults and ghostwrites for other professionals. She has completed over 70 ghostwritten notification books in the last, I'm sorry, non-fiction books in the last 10 years. New glasses are great. They're just hard to get used to sometimes. Her website is RaisingIntuitiveChildren.com. And Karen, thanks so much for sharing with us here tonight on the Exxon. Happy to be here. Thank you. Okay, we were talking about, uh, let me see, uh, experiences. Children yeah. who have these experiences. Who right. are they? Well, who are they? Are they, are they indigo children? Are they the rainbow children, they, or are they just children? Yeah, I who, think those names are all appropriate. So how can we tell at an early age if a child is special? Sometimes I think it's hard in an early age mm-hmm. because the brain is in intuitive mode anyway. You know, as it's developing up through, goodness, almost age seven. And so you see a lot of children who, well, my grandson standing up, waving in the corner of his crib, going, ma, ma, and I'm the only one there, Mm -hmm. and I'm behind him. (laughs) Wow. So, you know, who did he see? Maybe he saw his grandma. I don't know. But things like that happen all the time in the early years. A child might see a fairy or a child might have experiences uh, like stress, Mm -hmm. car accident, surgery. Uh, that bicycle trip I had at six where I hit a tree and flew up and flew back into my body, I think those kinds of experiences in the body's memory open the doors for more psychic or more Mm -hmm. spiritual experiences or connections to other realms because we've touched that realm. It's like we've touched it, we've opened a door. People who Mm -hmm. have an out-of-body experience, you know, uh, during surgery, for example, um, you you read all sorts of things about seeing the light. Mm-hmm. But when the children are born and they go through age six, they see that light too, or they can talk about that, or grandma visited. So I think yeah. it's part of the wiring until their logic sets in, their brain is trained, but it hits again in adolescence when all those hormones again change their sensitivity level. On the blog I spoke to you about earlier in the call, there was three or four girls who were 13 to 15 that consistently saw things. They were from different corners of the world. But at that age, that's what they were seeing, and it scared them. Another one took it in stride. So stress can cause it. Uh, Predilection to sensitivities can cause it. And I think sometimes trauma Hmm. causes people to have what they call an out-of-body experience or go blank. And at that point, the brain is processing all of that data, and that opens the door to the spirit world, to the energies of other dimensional frequencies or other light fragments, whatever you want to call that other space. Based on your experience and your expertise, do children see or have visitations from certain spirits, certain family members, or are they, have, are they able to communicate with a vast variety 
and a vast number of spirits. The children that I have mostly worked with are those that know their relatives and see them. And when they see them, if the parent then presents Mm -hmm. a choice of pictures, that child will pick out a grandma or an aunt or a friend. So that's one thing that I'm aware of. I think it is, I've I've dealt mostly with those children. The children that tend to Mm -hmm. have a doorway open from the young years and keep it open through adolescence tend to be like other authors like me. We've written some books about our experiences. You know, we might be in the, in the helping field somewhere, but we continued to have those kinds of experiences all of our lives. And that's due, I think, to just the se- sensitivity and the wiring that opens the brain to be able to mm-hmm. process that information and experience that beautiful spirit world. I understand that you or your dad visited you shortly after his death, and I was wondering if you'd be kind enough to share that experience with us. (laughs) I would, because it just tells you how real we all are when a ghost comes. Um, My father had already died and passed on, and it was about four years later my mother developed cancer. So I drove from Colorado to Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. and she was going in for surgery. So I took her to the hospital and, you know, went home and, Crawled into bed, and the room just grew so cold, and my body was like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. And then I felt somebody sit at the end of my bed, and I'm telling you, I closed my eyes, I covered my head, and I pulled my feet up, and I thought, all right, Sharon, you're the only one here, and that's the only person on your bed, so what are you (laughs) feeling? You know, who is this? Well, my father sent me an image of, I'm your dad, I'm here. And it freaked me out because I've always dealt with other people's spirits, not my own parent. But when he sat on the bed, I suddenly realized that my mother's fear had permeated the entire house. And I, in fact, was cold in this room when it was summer outside. And so my dad was there and I sat up in bed and I just meditated on him for a while. And he actually got up. There was an indentation in the bed. And I could feel him walk away. And I felt relieved after that. I felt calm. I felt like by his presence, he told me, Mom's going to be okay. You know, she's got a couple more years to live. I'm not here to take her home. And that's exactly what happened. I went back to the hospital and uh, brought her home. And she said, oh, I feel so much better. The house is so much lighter. And it's like, well... Maybe my dad took all that fear away. I don't know. But when he came and he put his hand on my leg and freaked me out, I stayed with my fear and I stayed in my presence. And that's one of the things that we teach children to do is just stay present, take a breath. You know, nothing's going to hurt you. And that's that de-stressing, I think, is important. But that was my, my experience with my dad. My goodness. And it was um, very precious. Because I was not close to my father. I didn't. He was an alcoholic in life, mm. and I just wasn't close to him. Out of six children, I was probably the least one that stayed in his presence long. And that was probably due to sensitivities. But anyway, it was a nice gift. Do children who see ghosts have the same abilities as they grow into adulthood? I believe that in the majority of people or children, Rob, that they do. 
have their experiences. But I've also uh, met with teens privately mm-hmm. and worked with them, and they chose to shut that gift down. Uh, they chose to be intellectual and not so much intentional or intuitive. So I think that if, if kids get through adolescence and it opens up again after adolescence, if they had shut it down, that it will open up again when they're adults, but they can go through their teen years and feel normal and not be so pulled by it. Wow. I don't know if that answers your question, it, but I have seen children shut it down, and I've seen it pop back open. So. It, it certainly did answer my question. Uh, aside from children whose nature may be sensitive to spirits or ghosts, what other instances... Or what are some of the other instances uh, when children might see ghosts or spirits? You mean other than stressful, other yeah. than death, yes. that sort of thing? Yes, I'm, I'm sorry. I've got a beautiful story I'll share with you real quick. Okay. I was called to the home of a friend. She was going to sell her house. Mm-hmm. We were walking around the land seeing what needed to be picked up. I saw an Indian spirit standing at the edge of the woods. This was a property in Maryland off the, off the water. It was gorgeous. And the spirit was there to take care of the land. So that was good. She saw him. We said, thank you. And, you know, we left because the house was going to be for sale. Well, the little girl was three, and she came running and running to her mother in tears. And she said, Mommy, my white rabbit said I have to go. Where are we going? Well, I said, point to your white rabbit. Where did you last talk to it? And she pointed directly to the spirit we were looking at at the edge of the woods. And so to me, I mean, the mom just said, there's the Indian spirit. You know, she sees a white rabbit. This white rabbit plays with her in the, in the property around the woods. So I thought that was particularly loving of that spirit who was, taking care of this old, old piece of land and respected the people that lived there enough to even play with the child as a, as an imaginary friend. So that was kind of a cool, cool incident. What is the youngest uh, age of a child that you've worked with when it comes to um, those on the other side interacting with the child? Two and three. I usually work with those who have speech or can at least point to something mm-hmm. and say a word. If that helps. Do you are when it comes to the gender of the child most likely to have early experience with experiences with the other side, are they young men, young ladies, or, or is it a mixture? Those I've worked with, Rob, are a mixture. I can't point to one or the other. Mm-hmm. I probably worked with more girls, right? Simply because I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. But I hear just as many stories of young men and young children. Now, young children, I don't think there is, to be honest, any gender differentiation. I think girls tend to stick with it when they're older, mm-hmm. in the 15, 16, 17 year range, and uh, boys have other interests and in other sports and work off their energy in different ways. But both, as far as I know. Does one's religious beliefs have anything to do with the, uh, the acceptance or the continued visitation rights with spirits? 
I think it does. Obviously, I talked to a monk when I was mm-hmm. young, and I yeah. didn't know who it was. It's just somebody I talked to. But obviously, I was also raised in a Catholic church in a Catholic home and went to a Catholic school. So <laughs> that was predictable. Yes. But I do see children who have a reverence for life right. or have a spiritual connection to something, mm-hmm. whether it's someone they love, a grandparent, or a church, or a, a youth group. I see children in youth group, 13 to 15 sometimes. There's usually a couple of intuitive children there who don't know whether they can talk about these things wow. or not, which is why... Um, After 2010, there was a group of people around the country that did workshops for this youth group. All right, once again, we've got to do a bit of a cliffhanger. I've got to take my final break, Karen. Explanation Karen Good is our special guest. Her website is raisingintuitivechildren.com. That's www.raisingintuitivechildren.com. And Karen and I will be back as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon right here from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the other side of these short breaks. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Exonation Karen B. Good is my special guest this hour, www.raisingintuitivechildren.com. First of all, Karen, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been a great pleasure talking to you, and thank you for sharing the experiences that you've had with some very gifted children. My pleasure. I so want to encourage parents and kids just to listen to each other and and share these kind of experiences, you Mm -hmm. know, so nobody's labeled as wrong or bad or don't do that. Yeah, you know, like we're so quick in in today's society to label people whether a child, whether a teenager, uh, an adult, or, or a member of the senior years. 
we, we need to take time to understand, and, and I think the lack of communication is a big problem as well. Everybody has instant access to every type of communication, but instant access does not always make the, the case for quality of information. That's true. Good point. Tell me about your, um, your brand, HeartWise. Well, one day, my husband and I were driving around Dallas mm-hmm. on the Beltway, and we were trying to think of a term for heart-centered parenting or parenting with heart or bringing love into the family. And mm-hmm. we drove by a church, and there was a big sign that said, Dads, parenting is hard work, class, starting. <laughs> and I went, hard work? No, man. You know, it should be heartfelt. It should be heart-wise. It should be heart-easy. And that it just took off from there. <laughs> we had a publicist who said she loved heart-wise, so mm-hmm. we used that term. Isn't that wonderful? Um, you also train and certify life coaches for parents, families, and children. What type of uh, life coaching do you do? Mine is primarily readings for health. Mm-hmm. And in parenting, training parents to understand their children's temperament so they don't think that misbehavior is directly uh, caused (laughs) by their children to annoy them because a lot of behaviors that are temperament-based are sometimes irritating in the early years, but Mm -hmm. children grow into them. So the Academy for Coaching Parents came after I had surgery. And they gave me too much medication. And for a moment there, I tripped up into the light and knew that I was looking and breathing, not air. It was a beautiful experience. And when I came back, uh, I had been working with moms in Tucson that were staying at home while their husbands were overseas fighting. And from there, the Academy for Coaching Parents was meant to be a parent-to-parent support. And from there, it's developed into parenting coaches around the globe. We're Mm -hmm. 15 years old now. And um, that's exactly what they do. They are parents who help parents. So that's kind of my dream that came from an out-of-body experience that manifested over the last uh, bunch of, over the last couple decades. And that's where we are now. We have trainers in Turkey, and India, and United Arab Emirates, and Malta. So the Academy has grown from just the desire to help people and to help families with communication, discipline, love, teaching, being heart-wise, basically. Changing the world one child at a time. That's literal. Yeah. <laughs> and that's true. Can you tell us a little bit more about your out-of-body experience or your near-death experience? Yes, I needed to have surgery, Mm -hmm. and it was an emergency surgery, and the doctor kind of rushed me in, and then I was rushed up to bed, and then I was kind of left alone. And when a nurse came in to test me, the doctor administered whatever medication was being given, and I was told that it might suppress my breathing, and I said, okay. 
So he gave it to me. I closed my eyes and I floated directly. Let me let me put it this way. I closed my eyes and I opened my eyes and I was in another place and it happened in a total instant. The light was beautiful. There was breathing like a breath, but it was it was more of a pulse. And I floated there for a long time until I heard Karen breathe. And I was laughing because I was breathing. But that was the doctor calling me back, Karen breathe. So whatever code they called, I did come back. Right. But I will never be the same because part of that experience is my understanding of how people who want me to write their book who've had that experience, it's like they just find me. Mm-hmm. And I can write their book because I know what they experienced on the other side and when they came back. And the Academy was all I could think about. 9-11 had happened. My husband lost his business. Oh, we no. lost a lot of our savings. And it's like, what are we going to do now? You know, what do I want to do when I grow up? Well, mm-hmm. that experience of probably, I don't know, less than a minute, was a download of information that I've been running on, if you will, for a long time. Do you think life is predestined, or is it all a matter of, well, here we go? (laughs) I think it's a matter of here we go. (laughs) However, I think our genetic basis definitely probably uh, defines how long we're going to be here and what we want to do. But those genes are now being altered and changed, so... Look at look at our population of children in today's world. You know, uh, that's kind of what our environment is shaping us to being as beings of spirit and beings of knowing. Mm-hmm. But it may not be the way we've always looked the last couple thousand years. The last book you wrote. Does uh, that make sense? It does. You make perfect sense. You truly do. Uh, the last book you wrote. I understand that it was considered to be rather controversial. But how was it received? Kids Who See Ghosts or The Intuitive Children? Um, Probably Kids Who See Ghosts. Yeah, Kids Who See Ghosts, I'm sorry. Yeah. That book was well-received. When it it was launched, it went to the top of the charts and stayed there eh, a couple hours. (laughs) That was good. (laughs) Yeah. And the people that have read the book, they actually make a personal phone call and thank me. And that's not hundreds of people. Maybe that's 20 people or 50 people over yeah. 10 years. But who cares? You're but making a difference. It had an impact. Exactly. Yeah. When who? somebody would actually pick up the phone and call mm-hmm. a stranger and say, thank you, then they want to share their stories. And I was going to write a book of the stories of the parents mm-hmm. of the children you know, that I interviewed, but we didn't get to that. But because the children are accepted by their parents, it tends to be less controversial in certain circles, even in counselors mm-hmm. and therapists. You know, this is a this is not a good topic. You don't talk about these things. But I got personal phone calls from women in my cohort group who have been in the fields I've been in for years. But they stayed in the university, and they had to make their way in those institutions, and I didn't have to. And they were silenced. Very clearly, I was told. So... Who knows, you know, when somebody picks up the book that, that they're going to thank you because they couldn't express it in their own way, in their own life, hmm. to their own family. So I hope it opened doors for them. Why do you think the topic is taboo? 
because we can't see it, feel it, and touch it. But we can't, we can't see, feel, or touch God, and yet God isn't God isn't taboo. You got it. <laughs> I don't think we have long histories of of kind. Well, we do have long histories of kind angels in the Catholic Church. Sure. I think it scares people. I don't think people want to admit mm. they have that ability. I think it's always about fear. We've got about two minutes left. What are your final thoughts for the Exxon Nation tonight? I love your work, and I thank you for putting this work out there. And the more that parents hear it, and the more that everyone accepts these kinds of gifts in children Mm -hmm. only opens the door for more of it to come through and for greater acceptance as the kids grow up. And that is a huge, huge contribution. I thank you for that, but I've always believed that the children of today are the leaders and the care caretakers of this world of tomorrow, and that it's our obligations. It's our obligation as 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 parents, as grandparents, to do our very best to hand our children a world that is just a little bit better than when we got it, so they can continue to bring this world back to where I believe it belongs, and I'm sure many other people around the world would like to see it get back to a point where we don't have wars, we don't have nuclear threats, we don't have fighting between different religious philosophies. All right, maybe I'm a dreamer, but in my book, the difference between a dream and reality is just making it happen. That's right, and all of these children who are sensitive to Mm -hmm. the spirit world, they're also dreamers, and they have those experiences. And it's just putting it in a context that parents can understand, and we get it. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. Thank you for your work. Oh, it's my great pleasure. I've been doing this for 26 years now, and I thoroughly love what I do. Because I get to speak (laughs) to people like you who do something positive. You know, there's a lot of people out there who complain. You know, everybody is a, what are they called, Monday morning quarterbacks? But it's, there you go. But it's people like you and, and other people I've had the opportunity of meeting over the years who actually do something about it. And I want to thank you, Karen, very much for coming on the show tonight. I wish you continued success. And I look forward to the next time you and I meet back here in the Exxon. Until then, take care of yourself. And once again, thank you for your work. Thank you, Rob. Have a good day. I will, my dear. Exxon Nation, for more information about Karen Good, her website is www.raisingintuitivechildren.com. We'll be back on the other side of this break at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Whatever you do, don't go away. I will return.